Welcome to Every Man a Leader, a podcast designed for men. Being male does not make you a man. And this podcast is a conversation on what it means to step up to be the man that God's already made you to be. Every man listening to this podcast has a very specific calling and design, but we have to say yes. We have to submit and surrender to that call and surrender to our Father in heaven for us to walk fully in that call. Every man a leader. Welcome to the show. In this episode, the senior executive pastor of our church, Brad Larson, drops bombs for about 30 to 40 minutes here in really what I would describe as a call to war or a call to fight. This particular night started off with the men on the floor. As Brad spoke over them, it was a very sobering moment. Even more, he just takes a deep dive into what we need as men as far as fighting together as followers of Jesus, but also realizing that if we're going to be mentally tough, if we're going to be the men that God wants us to be, we got to do this together. we got to fight together. So get your pins out. Get ready. Episode two of The Mindset of the Master. You can be seated, and if you would, no talking. And on your seat, you're going to find a memorial plaque. There's a pen there for you. And I want you to just write down, just fill in the blanks right now, if you would, what you want to be remembered for, what you felt like you heard. It's funny because for many of us, our pace of life, the pace of our world causes us to not even have just a few minutes to catch our breath. And so we get short on breath, get overwhelmed by anxiety. And many in this room, I'm sure you've listened to a lie or two that has told you that you can't hear God's voice. It's not true because his sheep hear his voice. But do you make space and time? Do you take time to rest and hear what he's speaking over you, what he says about you? As a good father who is proud of you and sure, we've all had our run-in with a father who was maybe irresponsible, had no involvement in our lives, or a father who was ignorant. So he didn't try to learn or try to improve or try to grow. Father who was inconsistent. Maybe he had one that was involved. Maybe he had one that was intentional. What a gift. But regardless, if you didn't have one, you have a father in heaven who commissions and commands each and every one of us to be able to live upside down, not downside up. Regardless of the lack thereof or the lack of training and development from our fathers, God comes as a father to teach and to train and to show us. All he asks is that you let go of the perspectives and the pain that has held you captive, that has held you bound from being able to be the man, to be the husband, to be the father, to be the man who he called you to be. Listen, how many of you heard your family and loved ones um, sharing your resume? going over all of your work that you've done. Maybe you did. I'm not just saying. Probably your resume is not the thing that stuck out to all of them. And I know that for me, uh, that conversation has come over the last few years where I really felt like the Lord started to stir my heart about my resume versus my eulogy. Because I put so much time and effort growing up under a culture that communicated to me that work was the thing that mattered most because in the environment that I grew up in, that was the thing that we wore as a badge. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's become the thing that you've presented because it's the only thing that you feel like is accepted because if you don't have that and that work doesn't matter and those accomplishments and that power or whatever it is, then then who will I be? It's, it's a pretty simple and a question that comes up over and over again until the time comes when you step away from all of that. And then, of course, the question is, who am I? Now, tonight's event is men's night. It is a part of a process 
to move the males of our church and our community in a process of thinking and training. But the name or brand of this experience is called Every Man a Leader. And I'll say this and say it again and say it over and over again, but notice what it doesn't say. Every male a leader. Because malehood doesn't equal manhood. Your plumbing doesn't make you a man, specific to how God designed, because God has a way of working. He has a way of thinking. He has a way of developing. He has a way of training. And that way is not the way of the world. It's not the way of culture. It's not the way that we hear. It's not the way of religion. It's not a manipulation to to do something, to do enough, to do right, to be gooder. But it is the way of Jesus, who is the master of life, who is the perfect man for us to follow and to let go of whatever religious inclinations overshadow us to be able to look at his life and realize that he actually has a training and thinking process. And when you have deep thinking and you have intentional training, you have transformation. If you just have thinking, which is happening by and large in churches across the world, lots of thinking, lots of information gathering, lots of information sedating, but not lots of training. But if you just train and do a bunch of stuff without thinking deeply in your heart about what it is that you're doing and you just do it mindlessly, you're in a ditch as well. So every man a leader. It's not a promise. It's a path. It is a process. It is a walking step-by-step journey of molding and forming and shaping into the way of Jesus. And it requires thinking. This is why Paul writes to Timothy And he says, if you want to have breakthrough in your life, you're going to need to be like a soldier, like a athlete. If you want to live in the blessing, you're going to have to learn to live like a farmer, sowing seeds, watering, cultivating the soil, paying attention to what's happening. And I know many of you, not all of you, but many of you probably enjoy watching military documentaries. I do, but I don't watch them for the same reason because I'm not going to enlist at this moment of my life. But I watch because as I see recently the sniper who took the longest kill shot, I'm not watching because I am somehow going to be transported into that environment. I'm watching because of how he trained, how he thinks. This gentleman is talking about 10 days in Afghanistan, laying down in his position for 10 days with his spotter. 10 days, he doesn't get up to go to the bathroom. He digs a trench so that he can just pee and it can go away from him. If he has to go number two, he just turns over and his spotter takes a jar and grabs it and then puts it in the jar and puts it in the backpack. 10 days. Can you even imagine that? It's crazy. Like a soldier, like a athlete. And I know we've come in here and think about this for a second, right? This basketball, there's there's some of you have come in here and and you're deflated. You, you've, you've been hit by the difficulty and trials and chaos and circumstances of relationships that, that have left you deflated, of your hopes and, and desires that have left you deflated. And then there's others of you who feel like you're overinflated, right? You, you, things are pretty good. I've got things, I think I've got things pretty good, but it's just like it's about to burst at any moment. But who determines the PSI, the air pressure of a basketball? 
Who determines that? Who determines 7.5 to 8.5 PSI? The person who created it. The person who created it determined how much air needs to be breathed into this thing or blown into this thing in order for it to operate according to the specific design that it has. For many of us, we haven't consulted the creator to figure out the breath that he's placed into our lungs to find out how it is that he wishes for us to operate and to function in our marriages, in our relationships, in our friendships. So what do we do? We go it alone. Every man in here at one time or another has built up a self, an I, an identification devoid of any divine connection. Any consultation with the creator, listening to gurus and podcasts that have great wisdom, but at the end of the day, there is a creator whose words are more important than the bread that you eat, words that are life. And because we feel untrained with those words, we don't ask for help because we wouldn't want to appear like we don't know how to do something. And so we continue through our one-year Bibles, not that I have anything against one-year Bibles, wondering what is going on in this text not humbling ourselves, not stirring our hunger and our passion to ask someone, how are you approaching this text? How do you see this story? How is it playing out? What are you grasping and how are you training? In Luke 6, 40, Jesus says, students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. The student who is fully what? Trained will be like the master. Somewhere along the lines, I feel like that that picture has lost its juice for us as people who say we follow Jesus, who walk in his steps, who seek to train under the master of life, the one who shows us the way. And so we get caught in our stories. We get caught in our struggles and our stories. They become strongholds where we reinforce a narrative that comes from a source that is whispering lies, defeat, discouragement. It's been said there's four characters in every story. Every great movie you watch has four characters, a victim, a villain, a hero, or a guide. Which one were you this week? Which one have you been for the last several months? I get it. I get it. But we sometimes stop thinking with intentionality and with a frequency that allows us to be able to be shaped by the master. So what happens to us is we get caught up in the cyclone, in the chaos, without consulting our creator, and we get lost. We feel lost. But which one is Jesus? The one that we follow, the one that we train after to become like. Is he a victim? Is he a villain? Is he a hero? Is he a guide? Because that's who you and I are to be like. Yes, Jesus came to redeem and to restore, but he said that we would do greater works than he did on this earth. Like he passed it to us. He breathed life into us. He showed us the Father. That's why he came, so that we might be able to receive from the Father. But it's easy for us to get caught in stories. How many in here can lift a 100-pound barbell over their head in a shoulder press? So that's a lot of you. That's great. Now, a 100-pound barbell is a little bit easier than a 100-pound sandbag. So I just need one guy who believes that they can throw this 100-pound sandbag over their head to come up here for me. Just one guy. Give you a gift. Just take it. All right. All right. There we go, Adrian. Come on, buddy. You got some practice. Give him a hand. Okay. Here's, here's what I need you to understand, guys. 
we have so many stupid lies that come against us. And I want to just show you one of these. Get yourself stretched out there, sir. Yep. Because what, what we're going to do is we're going to time you because we want you to hold this over your head for as long as you can. All right. So they're going to help me count. I'll put my timer on here. Right. Okay. Well, here's what I need you to connect. How many of you, before you get started, no, I mean, you can work it out. How many of you carry weight in this life? How many of you have responsibility? How many of you have maybe childhood trauma or difficulties? Maybe you're married or you've been married a few times and it's weight. You've got children who aren't talking to you. You don't have to all keep your hands up, but um, you carry weight in this life as a man. You have roles, responsibilities, and there are rewards, but let's just see for just a second. Would you mind just throwing that up and I'll, I'll just time you? All right. Go. Let me just throw that up. All right. Okay. Got to put it hand straight up. I need those hands straight up. That's, that's, uh, you got to push it all the way up there, Adrian. Hey, stay strong, brother. Stay strong. Stay strong. Stay strong, brother. Stay strong. Stay strong. Come on. You got this. All right. I can't start the timer until you get it up. There it is. All right. All right. Stay strong, man. Stay strong. 20 seconds, 20 seconds. Now, right about now, you're probably feeling those shoulder blades start to break down just a tad bit, right? And eventually, if you're not careful, now, now let me have a couple of guys right over here just to come under him for just a second. Just come up under here and help him out with that. Just help him carry that weight. Is that, is that helpful? Ah, I like it. Why is it, you can drop that, give him a hand, guys. Why is it that we accept the fool's path of believing that when we carry weight in our lives and the common wisdom from people is stay strong? Stay strong, man. Hey, going through a tough time, man. Stay strong. That's foolish. Way to go. 35 seconds. Some of you have been carrying weight, breaking down, your muscles shredding, falling apart because of a narrative that was forced upon you, not by God. I don't know by who, but I know that I found myself in that same position as a man, accepting the lies of the enemy. You're all alone. You don't need anybody. You got to figure this out on your own. You got to figure this out by yourself. Time and time and time and time again, men buy into that lie. They buy into the fact that the situation that they're going through, nobody could understand. Nobody's ever been through it. Anybody in here been through some crap? Raise your hand. Look around. You got some brothers. (laughs) How many of you going through that crap bought into the lie that you had to take it all on yourself? So you didn't tell anybody. Dealing with money issues, relationship issues. You're trying to parent your kids, but you never had a roadmap. Nobody ever showed you the way, but you wanted to be gooder. So you gave it a shot, but then you were like, took my shot. Not very good at this shot. I'll bounce. Many of you, that's, that's been the way. That's been the way that you have sort of been immersed or you've dealt with things like pornography. Anybody in here ever looked at pornography before? Okay, a few, a few hands. Everyone's like, whoa, whoa. Now we're getting real. Yeah, I know it's a common thing to talk about. But over the last several years of conversations with men, it's frustrated me because for years, the only answer that I heard 
from, from some voices was, well, just stop it. Tell me how that's worked out for everybody. A few of you are quiet because like, oh, like, I didn't see anything. Hasn't gone well. Every downturn in the economy, pornography is up and to the right. Men struggling in the tension of not, not wanting to do, but still doing. They're in the Romans 7 situation. I don't want to do this, but I keep doing this. What's going on? But they never do any digging because the, the thought process is stop it. So then when they can't stop it, then they go ahead and define it. Or there's confusion in areas of same-sex attraction. And guys who maybe have not had the fatherly attention and love that they need get con- confused and begin to start to idolize an identity sexually as opposed to the reality that they have an identity given to them by God, but they struggle. And of course, they have to suppress that because if they were to share that with any, how would they be treated? What would they say? They, they know the comments, but there's no digging. There's no questions to say, what triggers this? What causes this to come up? Well, you know, women are beautiful. They are. They're not the source of life. They're not the source of validation, which when I have conversation with guys and when I dug into my own heart and my own life, allowed me to look at that and say, man, instead of staring at a label that can easily come, maybe your label is whatever you've heard spoken over you or what you've thought or what you've heard the enemy whisper in your ear about this label that gets you stuck, look to why and what is triggering it. I found that to be helpful. Rather than stuck under a label that the enemy has wanted to imprint upon you, what's, what's going on? Are you seeking validation from the opposite sex? Have you idolized a woman at such a place that God did not give her? You could do this with your spouse. I've done it with my spouse. I've placed her on such a level that I needed her validation until God arrested me and God kindly corrected my course to let me know that she's a human. She's a person. She's a partner. And my role and my responsibility is not to get my validation from my wife. My role and my responsibility is to come alongside of her as my military aid and power and to help her to become fully transformed into the image of Jesus. That's my role. So I stopped trying to elevate her at such a status and began to allow other men into my life. But I digress. We, we feel alone in our pain. Anything we can do to avoid being vulnerable and looking like we don't have our act together because we're not sure if anyone will accept us, if they'll tell them how we really feel and it's hard processing our emotions. Women are emotional. No, humans are. Humans are emotional. And we have heard this, this lie that's been whispered like a virus throughout the years that men aren't supposed to have emotions. They're not supposed to express emotions. That's wrong. And what happens is you sedate and suppress it, and those beach balls that you have submerged under the water, they'll come up. They come up. And then there's the cycle, right, of sedation that starts in for us. For many in here, if you're an entrepreneur, you hold a high-level position, you know you're the most at risk for sedation and suppression and feeling alone because of the pressure and the expectations coming from so many angles because you're the one who's the leader. You're the one with the answers. There's no room for you to have feelings, no room for you to have emotions. It's rare that anybody asks you, how are you doing? So the doubt and the fear and the anger and the excitement and the uncertainty and the frustration. So what do you do? You grind. 
You hustle. You take your work home. But can I submit something to you? I believe we need to flip the script on taking our work home. I believe we need to take our home to work. Now, home is your habitation for wholeness. It's the place where you set your rhythms. It's where it's a place where you find God's presence. It's the place where you begin to train and to develop. It's a place where you take the table that you eat at with your family or even by yourself. You set rhythms. You have meaningful conversations and connections, and it requires preparation. It requires preparation to ask your children questions. It takes preparation to share with them insights from God's word and instruction and guidance. But that place is an altar. It's where things come to die. It's where things come to live. That is for your responsibility to own that space, to be able to have a place, a secret place, if you will. Mine's in the garage often where I can be alone with God and I can get on my knees and I can read Psalms 145 and declare his kingship over my life. That's training. There are prayers that you can pray. You don't have to just come up with to start. You can read the prayers of Daniel, the prayers of Paul. You can read the prayers of Jesus. You can start there and you can open your Bible and declare those words. That's where we start is words are life. It's a rhythm. It's a habit. It produces wholeness. And in this chaos of feeling alone in our pain, we distance ourselves from our brothers. Biblical band of brothers. What is a biblical band of brothers? Brad, it's guys in your life who will pick you up off of your mat, your brokenness, your difficulty, the reality of what has happened in your life, and they'll carry you to Jesus. They don't have all the answers. They allow you to share what it is that you're experiencing. Maybe you're feeling fear, but God forbid you would ever tell somebody that, right? But a spirit of fear is not feeling afraid. A spirit of fear comes from the enemy, but sometimes in situations, in circumstances, in climates, we actually feel fear. Anybody besides me? Me and four guys? The rest of you are like, I'm not raising my hand for that. Not doing it. God created us. He created us to be linked in leverage. We get leverage when we have people in our lives. I'm so grateful that I broke through that wall of living as a leader who had to have all the answers and to be on point and to showcase that I had my act together all the time and to be able to let men in this room into my life because what I got was what they had. I got men who were emotionally strong and healthy in my life. I got men who could show me how to have adventure and play, something that I had thwarted, wouldn't give myself the ability to enjoy what I I was earning, making, whatever. And it started to, to, to breathe life into my lungs. And we're not, we're not conscious sometimes of, of the lies that we're living in. They require some digging. They require us to basically put our hands in the dirt and to see what's going on. This is what I discovered. I discovered for a long time that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't actually understand when I would have a moment of overreaction. I couldn't understand what it was because I just thought it was my wife. I blamed her. 
That's what many, many do. Many men do. Like, I'm crushing it in life. It's this woman you gave me and this gift that God gave you to be a, a power source in your life, an aid and a strength, an Ezra Kenegdo, not a helper, not a hamburger helper. She's meant to be a supply, a mirror opposite is what scripture says. That's why you steward her and she stewards you. You're not, even though you think you want her to think of you, he is my, I, he is my idol, my master. That's why so many get it wrong when they think about being, you know, the, the husband is the head of the home. All that that means is it's the headwaters. It means it's the, it's the place where you go to the source and from that Connection to the source of the supply you give from that source. That's your responsibility. It takes training. Those of you who desire to be future husbands, future fathers, that's the picture. I never, I didn't always have it. Nobody showed me. Nobody mapped this out for me. But, but that's going to change right here, right now for you. We're entering into a path. We're extending an invitation a communication to each of you that you don't have to do this the way that you've been doing it. And the way that you've been doing it is a fool's path. And living with just one or two areas of your life being great is not wholeness. God desires a six-pillar man. He desires you to be strong physically. And that doesn't mean that you're doing CrossFit workouts. He desires that you be strong emotionally. He desires that you be strong relationally. He desires that you be strong financially and stewardship, strong professionally and understanding the work that he's given you to do on this earth and strong spiritually. When those come together, that's called integration. And when you don't have that, you're disintegrating. And something is being elevated as an idol. And all an idol is, is something, an image that you have intimacy with. And until you disrupt it, until you disrupt it, it begins to to hang over you and this world that you and I have been dropped into that's at war. The enemy, who is the father of lies, keeps creating chaos and confusion. That's it. The only weapon that he has is communication. He's a, a messenger. He sends messages. What are the messages that you've been receiving? And, and could we for just a second, like the colonists, when they decided that they had had enough of the worldview and the messages that were being thrust upon them by the British, decided to put their life on the line for this, decided that they were going to, knowing they were going to commit high treason, they penned a document the Declaration of Independence. And they wrote these words, but when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. That's why that flag hangs out that door so that we could remember that there were a few bold individuals who came against the oppression and the tyranny. And I'm asking men, where are the men to stand against the spiritual attacks of an enemy who has been laser-focused 
on trying to get you to buy into every lie that he speaks and to thwart the reality of every word that God's spoken over to you. You're a masterpiece. You're God's child. He exchanged your filthy rags for his righteousness and gave that to you. We reject the worldview that the enemy tries to put on us. What is that? What are those ways in which the enemy tries to shape us and train us? One is the way of the world. The Bible says it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, right? Thinking that what you want, you can have all the time, get what you want, do what you want. Living outside of the guardrails of the creator who crafted you, who knows how life functions, but you decide, if I want it, I get it. Businessmen, listen to me. There are moments in time, like in Joseph's time, where there may be seven years of abundance and seven years of famine. There may be times, like when Jesus told Peter, hey, throw your net on the other side. Peter's like, dude, you're a celibate Jewish guy who travels around speaking. What are you going to do for my business? Don't think you haven't thought that. But he says, if you say so, throws his net over, catches a load of fish. It's how kingdom is supposed to function in business if he says so. Not the guru that you listen to who tells you to, to crush it and you should be up and to the right at every moment and every second. That's not true. There are moments. Has anybody discovered you may have moments of up and to the right, and you may have moments of plateaus. There's seasons of rest. Sometimes there's a little bit of shift, downturn. So you don't breathe the air of this world and exhale the culture of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We're not just biological beings. We're, we're spiritual beings. And our hearts, they matter. You know, when you lay down on this floor, you, you may or may not have been aware of this, but the music that was played was dropped to your resting heartbeat because your heart is a thinking thing. It actually sends more messages to your brain than your brain sends to your heart because the heart has 40,000 neurons in it. It's where your long-term memories are stored. That's why when you go through difficulty in a relationship and you're like, oh, my heart hurts, it does. It's a thinking thing. God says he's come to heal the brokenhearted. And sometimes when you realize that there's a gift like music to bring you into a place where you can actually process and slow down. I'm sure I don't need you to, you know, give me a high five for getting you for like six minutes to slow down. But for many of you in here, you rarely do it. You rarely take a moment to just breathe the breath of life. Because you have something pushing the gas pedal for more. More money, more accomplishments, more power, more whatever it is. But that's not how image bearers function. They function according to the creator's crafting. You know, I never really got the greatest instructions on how to lead my children. So I had to begin to train and learn from other fathers, some in this room. I don't know where you are. Some, you're somewhere. Randy, are you here? I know he's here. He was here earlier. James, he taught me that now I have my boys repeat. What is some simple things for them to know what it means to be a man? 
I know my son Tyler is here. I won't call him out on it, but reject passivity. Accept responsibility. Lead courageously. Expect a greater reward. Again and again. And then I found myself wanting to train and to develop as a father because I didn't feel like I knew how exactly to do it. And so I started to go down a path and I bought my boys these foot lockers. And I began to ask myself the question before they leave us, what are the values? What are the things? What are the books I've read? What are the tools that I can give them before they leave this house? You can have a foot locker like this. You can have an ammo box like this. It's not too late. I don't care how old they are to get in on the process and and begin to start filling it. So I began to take books that I have read and journals that I had processed and began to place it inside of their footlocker so that the day that they leave our house and letters and photographs and went and took my son when he was 13 on a trip to Havasupai Falls, I didn't know what I was doing, but I followed. I changed my thinking. My thinking was work and they should, they should love that. I'll just do all this and the money, they should be happy with that. But I found out that wasn't what they wanted. They weren't going to read off my bank statements. They weren't going to read off my resume. They wanted me. And I had to learn. And I had to train. And I had to bring some other people into my life. So we're going to take a moment. These guys are going to play a little reflective music for you. And what I'm going to ask you to do is on the back of that card is, I want you to just write what needs to die. What needs to die in your life? What manufactured thing have you constructed or has the enemy constructed over you that is causing you to not live in the connected community to other brothers, to live connected at the core to your family, to your friends, to be your authentic self? Because that's what John says. Jesus came to introduce us to our true child of God's selves. Such a great posture, not childish, but childlike. Just take a moment, think about it, what needs to die tonight. There's no magic fairy dust on this. This is for you to really ponder. You might write more than just a little. You might just write one word. There will be no grades. There will be no gold stars given. This is for you to have a moment of reflection. While that's happening, you're going to be receiving a text message to your phone. And that text message is going to invite you into the next step in this process. And I pray that you will deeply consider joining us on the next step of the process for training and for thinking. It's called Fight Club. And Fight Club occurs in six-week intervals, 40 days. That's a huge number biblically where men come to, together Wednesday morning or Wednesday night, but it's time where you train on how to connect with brothers. We have content, we have a process, but the most important part of it is learning how to connect. It's learning how to have conversations. And so we guide you. And I have to just remind you of the story in 2 Kings 5 about Naaman, who was a prominent man. The king of Syria, Aram, had a lot of good things to say about him. He was a warrior. He was tough, he was strong, he was a leader, but he was diseased. So one of the hostages that they had taken over told him about a prophet, Elisha, who could heal him. He got a letter from the king and three and a half million dollars to take to Elisha. 
And Elisha told him to do one simple thing. And he had a problem with that one simple thing. And his servant said, if it was complicated, if it was complex, you'd do it. But this simple thing, you won't do. They won't do something simple. They'll come up with excuses. They'll come up with lies, why they can't do it. And they'll just, they'll just do it alone. Waste away and die and wither. Don't be like Naaman. I mean, Naaman eventually did it. But if you didn't receive a text, you can go to nomanfightsalone.com. I invite you to stand to your feet. I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Honor you for the fact that you would take time out because you're important. You're a priority. I pray that you'll consider joining us. I pray that you will consider making the investment into yourself. It's simple, seemingly small. To some might even seem insignificant because you're in mastermind groups. And But let me remind you, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? We care about your soul. Love you guys. If you're going to join us in Fight Club, out these doors. If it's not your time, out those doors. God bless you guys. Have a good night. What an incredible night this particular men's night was here. One thing that I'm going to ask you to do, or one thing that I would say to do after listening to this, is to actually get out a piece of paper, get quiet, maybe put on some music, William Augusto, some soaking music, look it up on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, put on some music and begin to think about what you want people to say. What do you want them to remember you as? Is it someone that made a lot of money, was driven, went hard, promoted, built the business? Or do you want to hear your family say that you were present at the dinner table, that you did actually put your cell phone down, that you listened, that you were also a rock, that you protected your wife and went after her, that you loved deeply? What do you want your family and your friends to say about you. Write it down, stick it somewhere, and read it once a month the next year to remind you of what you really want in this life as we follow King Jesus. Thanks for listening. We will see you in the next episode.